First Baptist Church in Hogansville. We have a lovely guest, Miss Sandy Darn, with a powerful testimony you don't want to miss. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Four Mics, 13 Teeth, One Ankle Monitor podcast, a podcast about addiction recovery made by addicts for anyone battling addiction. Welcome, welcome, welcome to today's podcast. We have Miss Sandy Darden here, here to tell her story about how she has overcome addiction, and we're just glad to have her on the on the podcast today. So everybody, welcome her! Yay! <laughs> okay, so introduce yourself a little bit. Just um, I'm Sandy, and I am doing very well in recovery. Amen. Okay, so we're going to jump right into these questions and delve into her her testimony today. So um, one thing everybody wants to know, most of the time the question I get asked is about my childhood. Okay, so I'm going to ask the same of you. So tell us a little bit about your childhood. Was it a, a stable nurturing home or was there like conflict and confusion? No, actually, I came from a a very good home. I came from, uh, my parents were divorced, but they were very loving parents, not in addiction at all. Um, There was no trauma. I I had a very good childhood. Okay. So there was nothing there that would have prompted you to? To start using? No, no, ma'am. So in that case, tell us what was the catalyst? What what was that thing that pushed you... uh, gave you that push to, to step into addiction? Um, honestly, it was peer pressure. Um, the Not pressure by my peers, but the pressure of myself to fit in, to want to be a part of a crowd that was using. And um, I felt like all through high school I'd fought that. But um, at some point I wanted to, to be a part of certain a certain crowd, a certain um, people. And um, that that's where it started. So okay, so let's let's look at this. Okay, so do you think it was something within you? Maybe an acceptance. I wanted mm-hmm. to be accepted okay. into um, these people. Um, someone I had fallen in love with that struggled, and I just had decided I I didn't understand addiction though. I just wanted to be a part of whatever that person was doing too, and. Um, if I didn't, I felt like it was going to separate us. And so I, I experimented and, of course, which led further. Okay, so let's talk about at this point. Um, what was your drug or drugs of choice in my situation? <laughs> um, over, overall, in my lifetime, it was um, all of them. <laughs> um, she I, didn't discriminate. I did not. I did not. I, um, I, but it started out with methamphetamines, marijuana, um, a little bit of um, LSD and stuff in high school. But, um, of course, it was the methamphetamines that progressed um, throughout my whole life, um, over 20 years. Um, there was a, a four-year stint. I did heroin for a while. Um, I got off of that, but I went back to methamphetamines and then Xanax and marijuana and just pretty much whatever I could get my hands on. So basically anything you could get your hands on to get away from yourself. Exactly. Anything to escape for sure. I know that feeling. I absolutely know that feeling. So I know that at one point you had told me when we talked that you were homeless. Like you had nowhere to go because of this problem. Absolutely. It had gotten that it had progressed to that level. So tell us about that. Actually that happened more, more than once. Um, it happened several times. Um, 
the homelessness. Um, but at the end, I was homeless, living in the woods, you know, running from warrants and um, just completely in a very bad place altogether. Um, before then, it had happened, the homelessness had happened where we're, you know, sleeping on people's couches, going from place to place, hotel, <sighs> hotels, you know, just not knowing what tomorrow is going to bring. Very, very sad lifestyle with my kids as well. So, how did it how did your drug abuse affect your children um it affected them probably a lot more than any than than me um they have hurt and sacrificed and suffered the most um they have lost all of their belongings they have lost everything homes pets um everything that they loved their parents you know security they've lost everything and through it all they have rised up they have thrived in the middle of these adverse circumstances and it's it blows my mind really um they have in the middle of all of this this the embarrassment the humiliation um they have they have definitely suffered the most but they are striving and doing so well that i couldn't be prouder praise god for sure praise god okay so let's back up a little bit okay so let's talk about Mm -hmm. how many girl how many charges you got (laughs) Um, I hope she outbeats me. <laughs> I have I have several. I have uh, several. I have, uh, three possession charges. I have a lot of. Um, there are a lot of misdemeanor charges in there. A lot of arrests. Um, you know, possession mainly. You know, violation of probation. So you were arrested seven times in six seven months. Seven times in six months. That was a year and a half Girl, ago. Girl, you were busy. I was very busy. I was busy in and out of jail. Uh, it was very sad. Ultimately, um, because I was on, I was running from probation. I didn't have a home. I was not living right. Um, I violated probation, and they sentenced me to RSAT at Lee Arendelle State Prison um, June 2nd of last year. Okay, so you went to, you actually went to prison. I did. And you stayed there a year, yeah, but, but I, in RSAT. Correct. I was in county jail waiting for RSAT um, for two months, and then I went to RSAT for about 10 months. So the total was a year that I was locked up. Okay, so so in county, what tell us what happened. County is where Jesus met me where I was. Come on now. He did. He did. He found me there. He did. He um <laughs> um I was in a very low place. I had just found out that I was going to RSAT and I was gonna be going away for some very real time in a prison. And um that uh he sat me down. He sat me down hard and I um was terrified. Um, I knew I finally needed to get some help from my drug addiction. Whether I wanted to or not, I was going to get it. So um, the churches would come in every Tuesday, and um, it, my heart just, I needed to I needed to find some direction. And um, I got saved in county jail waiting to go to RSAT in a shower stall. And um, Come on. Yep, in a shower stall, I got saved, and I attribute that to what has changed my life ultimately absolutely so i know about a lot of recovery meetings a lot of rehabs but i had not heard of rsat so explain that to us it's a residential substance abuse treatment program that's housed in in prison in lee arendelle state prison um there's several all over georgia and probably all over the country um it's about a nine and a half month program that you go to um and it's pretty much teaches you 
um, to get your mind right, teaches you to follow rules again and to live and get to the root of why you use drugs. And for me, it was a shame and guilt. So I went through a lot of treatment there to get to um, the root because that's why I kept using. I felt so guilty and so much shame and embarrassment from what I'd done to my children. And um, there they helped me work through a lot of that so that you know, they said, if you don't find forgiveness, you know, then you're, you're going to go back to using drugs. Well, by then I had already um, found forgiveness with Christ. So I felt that comfort so much. And then I learned that I needed to forgive myself for a lot of things that were, that I had done if I was going to move forward. Why is that the hardest thing to do? I could forgive everybody else in my life, but when it come to me, I, I was harder on me, more judgmental on me than anything and I think that goes along with the you know with the damage that you've done I mean regardless of why you did it trauma whatever that our actions have consequences and they have long lasting consequences but God Mm -hmm. who intervenes so okay so you went through that program for one year yeah and then she came to Calumet Center for Healing and Attachment. <laughs> that was a blessing to be taken in there, too. It was a blessing. It's exactly where I'm supposed to be. For sure. I remember the first time <laughs> I walked in, and she came down the stairs. I had been told we have a new lady. She came down the stairs, and when I saw her, I <laughs> said to myself, uh-oh, it's going to get serious. <laughs> Because I could just see the Lord all over you. I could see that you wanted this program. You wanted to be there. And that's half the battle, you know. And I said, God, I don't know what you're doing, but you're going to use that girl. And he's been using you ever since. He really has. You and I did hit it off very quickly. <laughs> we did. We we became instant friends, instant sisters in Christ. I love that. Um, and I feel like we had a lot of connection. We could share a lot. And yeah. you helped me so much. I was a little nervous about coming there. But um, you you were, I was happy that we, you and I have met. But um, but yes, I um, when I got there, I accepted it as the blessing that it was. Um because it is, and it, it is. keeps me, it shows me how to navigate life with a sober mind. Um, it transitions me back into the real world because after being locked up for so long, you know, you get a little prison-minded. You get a little, um, you have to learn how to relive. And um, since I've come there, I've done nothing but thrive. Yes. I have done nothing but um I'm definitely in God's favor, and I feel that, and I've never felt it so strongly. Um I um I have a job that I ha- I have kept since I've gotten out, um, which was something I did not have in my addiction. I've managed to buy a car. I'm um, trying to rebuild the relationship with my children. Um, it's nice to be able to be clear-minded and help them with things and be there for them. Um, I look to God for guidance for everything. I literally do nothing without His guidance, and that's why I'm succeeding for sure. Amen. Amen. I have never seen someone come in a program and within what, how long you been there? Um, I've been there 11 weeks, 11 weeks. And it's like, boom, boom, boom. (laughs) God is knocking her upside the head with blessings. I'm like, yeah, that's the favor of the Lord right there. (laughs) And it's because he sees your heart, Sandy. He sees your heart that you want to succeed. I can remember being in my addiction and just wanting to succeed but being so bound, I didn't know how, I didn't know how to get free. I didn't. So what are some of the things that you have put in place yourself that keep you accountable? 
Um, mainly church, church, church okay. my church family, my um, going to my my spiritual mentors, people who who can pray for me and help me pray for myself. Um, I I got baptized um, when I first got out. Um, <laughs> you know, you were there, um, so that that too. But I, I make sure my mind is filled with um, the Lord yes. and recovery. Um, I keep my days full of working and um, being productive and not giving myself too much idle time. Um, I do go to um, NA in LaGrange, and then I also go to um, church. I go to uh, Freedom House, Standing Rock, Grace Covenant, and um, I'm going to start coming here too. Are you that's in LaGrange, uh, Celebrate Recovery? I think I'm going to try this afternoon. Um, If I keep myself full of these things, um, keeping it in the forefront of my mind, not letting myself get distracted, um, and then anything that I do struggle with, I make sure I pray on. That's a, that's my number one accountability. Is um, would would Jesus want me to do this? Is this something that I would that's going to please the Lord? And um, that that tells me my answer usually right there. Yeah, and you know, mentorship is so very important. Someone that you can trust, that that will hold you accountable, that will ask you the tough questions. Usually, they already know. <laughs> <laughs> they already know. I wish you would lie. <laughs> try. Just try. <laughs> I love this girl with all my heart. I have seen God move in her life. I have never seen someone so determined, so determined to walk this path and to walk it out wherever it leads her. And, I mean, she goes to meetings, recovery meetings. Uh, she goes to church. She keeps herself busy with work. Uh, she's very productive at the house. No issues there. I mean, I can really see you being a huge success story. And I told her the minute that I met her that she was a leader. I said, Sandy, you're a leader. Remember that. No matter what the devil has told you or no matter what anybody has told you, you are a leader and you can help raise other people up too because we need that. You have been saying that since the first day. Girl, every time. <laughs> Rub it off on you, girl. (laughs) But, okay, so for our listening audience, Mm -hmm. for the person that is sitting out there and you just think, "I I can't go another day, or you're about to put that needle in your arm, or like me many years ago, you're gonna take that bottle of pills and just check out all together. I want you to know we do recover. We do recover. There's more of me and where me and Sandy come from, okay? We do recover, but you have to take that first step, and you have to step out, and you have to reach out. Okay, it's not going to be easy. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that it's going to be easy. I'm going to tell you it is possible. It is possible, and with God, all things are possible. Get you some recovery meetings up in there. and You know, get you some right mentorship. You're going to be okay, but nobody can make that step for you. You got to do it yourself. So to wrap this thing up, Sandy, I want you to look and I want you to give some advice to that person that is sitting out there that maybe has been in prison, maybe has been multiple times to prison. They see themselves in your story. Like, what would you, what would you say to them? Um, I would say that Whatever you're running from, whatever is hurting you, um, the drugs may make it go away for a minute, 
But ultimately, that pain is still there. Um, whatever's troubling you is still going to be there, um, along with many, many more. Um, I know that vicious cycle. I know um, how desperate and hopeless it feels. Um, yes, I was court-ordered to go to RSAT, but I do feel like God used all of that for my good. Yep. And um, between getting saved and RSAT, I, that's truly what saved my life. The advice I would give to someone, and that's a very hard question because I've asked myself a million times in my addiction, what could someone have said to me mm-hmm. that would have gotten through? And the mm-hmm. answer was nothing. Yeah. I watched my kids suffer. I watched my kids hurt. I watched. I put myself through a lot, and none of that woke me up. None of it. So there's really nothing that you can say to an addict that's going to make matter. But just know that the only way to make all the pain go away is Jesus. And I mean that with my whole heart. He's taken away my shame. He's taken away my guilt. He's taken away um, all my insecurities and fear. And the only answer is that. Um, Get on your knees. Pray. Pray to the Lord because he will help you. He came to me when I wasn't looking. I was just lost. And he left the 99 for me. And he would do it for anyone honestly. Yes, he will, honey. He did it for me too. And I'm telling you, I I was in addiction 20 years as well. And that's some kind of pain. That's some kind of pain of chasing something that you're never actually is going to get. I mean, you might get it temporarily, Mm -hmm. but what you're truly seeking, you're going to continue to chase because you're chasing the wrong thing. You're never going to be satisfied. No. You'll never be satisfied. I truly walk with a light heart now. Um, I truly walk in joy, uh, a peace beyond my understanding. I don't worry. I know that it's completely taken care of. When um, a year and a half ago, I was a girl that was filled with so much fear. I became stagnant. I just, I could, I didn't make any decisions. I just stopped living completely. And God plucked me out of it and said, no, this is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to turn this all around for the good. And, um, so it truly can happen. Um, I know it feels like there's no hope or there's no way out, but we don't have to see it for it to be there. And let me tell you, you know, sometimes, you know, God will intervene and he'll He'll do for you what you can't do for yourself. That's right. He put my butt in jail and that's where I come to know the Lord. That's where these, praise God for people that go in jails to minister because I was, I'm a product of that. Sandy's a product of that. They gave me a Bible in there and um, it went from there. So jail is what got my attention. So sometimes, you know, people think, oh, I'm going, I'm in jail and this, that, and the other. Hey, you know what? I praise God for jail Mm -hmm. because I couldn't do it on my own. So he's like, I'm going to lock you up and then you can't get to it. That's right. No, I couldn't. Because I got a plan and I got a purpose and you need to get with it in Jesus name. Yes, right. Sometimes you just need to sit down. He needs to sit you down and he puts you where there's no one else. You already feel alone, but once you get in jail, you know, you're alone. And so you are, you have no, nothing else to do but to look up. That's right. And and that's what I did. I used that time to get my head right, to get into, to learn about my addiction and to learn about, to get in the word, to read the Bible. I know more about the Bible than I ever have. And, um, I hold that close to my heart and I, I, um, I'll be forever grateful that I I was sat down that way. And, you know, praise God for these meetings, like celebrate recovery here. I mean, people come and you get to fellowship with other people that are going through you know, maybe not the same thing, but something similar as you are. And it's like a unity. Um, 
of brethren, really, because they can sympathize of where, where you've been. And so everybody's on the road to recovery. So meetings are wonderful. So. I couldn't agree more. You have common ground in the trouble in, in our in our addiction and our problem. And um, there's something liberating there to know that it doesn't matter where we come from. It doesn't matter what we've been through. None of that, none of that matters at all. All that matters is that we are all struggling with the same fight That's every right. single day and that we can be there for each other. And like you said, you know, provide a unity and just an understanding that people not in addiction, you know, wouldn't have. Yeah. So we hope you guys that something that was said through Sandy's powerful testimony will hit home for you. If you're a mother sitting there who has an addict, um, I pray for you right now. I really do. Um, I look back over what my mom went through, and I just praise God for her and for her standing. You keep standing. You keep standing for that son. You keep standing for that daughter because you don't. God is hearing your prayers, and so we just we just thank you guys for watching today, and. Um, we hope you guys have a blessed day and Celebrate Recovery meets here every Sunday at 3 o'clock. And we hope you guys will take advantage of that. And, uh, Sandy, we just want to thank you. Like, you my girl. <laughs> yes, I love you so much. Thank you for having me. This means a lot to me. Thank you. All right. You guys have a blessed day. And we see y'all at Celebrate Recovery. Have a great one. <laughs>